Hello, and welcome to Witchy Woman Podcast. I am your host, Danae Sweet, and this is episode 115. Okay, I did it again. I forgot to do the card pull before before the episode started, so I'm recording this after everything. I'm going to do a little smoke cleansing, and let's pull a card. Okay, so we got a little witchy ASMR. I'm using rosemary again because I love it and I'm a basic bitch. Okay, so I cleansed my cards with the smoke, the mic, the pot, or the computer, even though like I already did the episode and whatever. (laughs) Shit happens, right? As always, I'm pulling from the spellcasting oracle deck because again, I'm, I'm boring and I'm basic bitch. I love this deck though. So if you love like a a really beautiful like artwork like paintings is what they look like to me and they have like little hidden images so in the cards if you look like at a card it may look like just a, like a tree with somebody underneath of it and there's like kitty cats kind of hidden in the trees and like a burr it's just it's really good anyway let's see what the cards are going to say about this week We had one yeet already. Yeet. You yeeted. So, all right. I like the one that yeeted. It is the good luck card. I love this card. It is a beautiful um, picture of like this really floofy black cat in the forest. There's ladybugs and acorns, sunflowers. It's it's very sunny and it's beautiful. Um, And (laughs) it's got so much imagery that corresponds with prosperity and abundance got a little um pot of gold even in this one and when i see this card i'm looking at this cat and this cat is like i'm a bad bitch so this is like cats you if you've been around a cat at all or if you own cats you know that they're like i deserve to have my entire food bowl filled i should not see the bottom because i'm a cat and i'm worth it so this reminds us to kind of pull in that cat energy and know and own your self-worth this week because by doing so you're going to change your luck you're going to be able to bring in more happiness abundance prosperity because your vibes will be vibing with those um things that you want the goals the dreams your manifestations so I want to talk about this little pot of gold at the end of it and there's like this little leprechaun guy like kind of watching over it and when I see this card it reminds us that yes we can totally change our luck at any point we can focus on different things and use witchcraft and change it but if we have those little lurking um negative thoughts in our minds that self-doubt our limiting beliefs fears blocks all that stuff it's going to be very hard for us to actually you know pull in or attract more abundance and prosperity if we're feeling like we don't deserve it so this is your reminder that you deserve it you are worth it um embody that kitty cat energy and you know go on with your bad self so i hope that everybody loved that card because i kind of did And this week, let's work on our self-talk so we can pull in and manifest the things that we want in our lives. So today, I'm sharing an interview with Jay Allen Cross, author of American Brujeria. He's also on Instagram. You may recognize him from there, from his account, Oregon Woodwitch. He shares with us what is behind his motivation for American Brujeria, um, his experience with particular practice in the U.S., as well as the subjects of gatekeeping and closed practices. He also writes a blog on Patheos. He has an Etsy store called Woodwitch Apothecary. He also has an amazing YouTube channel. Just search J. Allen Cross. And you can buy his book that comes out on May 1st at Amazon and bookshop.org. I will make sure all of the links to his content are in the show notes, as well as in the Witchy Woman Friends group on Facebook and in our coven. I hope that you guys enjoy this interview as much as I did because I had a blast. 
I want to first say thank you to everybody who participated in all my live videos this weekend as I released my new program, Magical Mentoring. I am so excited for this. It starts on May 11th and registration opened um, for the Coven on Saturday and for the public on Sunday. And I am so excited to announce the class is already full. I am so stoked and if you missed out on this chance, please head over to my website um, and look at what the Magical Mentoring Program offers. And I will be doing another semester of this in October. So if you would like to reserve your spot, um, go to the website, click on Magical Mentoring Program under services, and it'll show you how to contact me and um, let me know you'd like to be in the next class that we're having. Okay, so let's just get straight into the interview. I'm, I know you guys are going to love this. By the way, his book comes out May 1st, American Braharia, so get it. <laughs> so if you want to introduce yourself um, to my listeners and kind of tell them a little bit about yourself and why we're talking today. Sure. Uh, so my name is Jay Allen Cross. I am a practicing witch of uh, Mexican, Native American, and European descent. So I kind of mix all of those together, as well as my Catholic upbringing in order to uh, work the magic that I do. I specialize in post-colonial North American folk magic, which is a mouthful. Um, I'm really fascinated uh, about what happens when Christianity, especially Catholicism, is brought in and introduced to um, pagan people and see what they then do with it. Um, because then it kind of becomes this wonderful in-between space where it's, it's kind of two things at once. And I think really fascinating things come out of that, especially in, in the magical practices. Um, I specialize heavily in something that I call American Brujeria, um, which is a form of modern Mexican American folk magic that we are seeing today. And it's what I have written a new book on called, of course, American Brujeria, and it's available for pre-order now and drops uh, May 1st. You can get that on Amazon and bookshop.org. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So right off the bat, I have a couple questions that we can start out with. Sure. So first of all, um, did your upbringing, so is this something you have learned from your childhood that your um, grandparents and parents have brought you up with? Uh, not so much from my parents and my grandparents, but it is something that I have been around. Um, I grew up in a magical family. Um, all of us are, are psychic to varying degrees. All of us do spiritual work in varying degrees. Um, so especially all of my cousins that are kind of in the same sort of generation as, as me, um, all kind of do this work. So we have channelers and mediums and witches and um, healers and stuff like that in the family that I'm sort of surrounded by. Um, I also had a very witchy mother growing up. She was the one who raised me and uh, I, she used to, you know, read tarot cards at the dining room table and um, burn, you know, blue candles with black glass in them to get rid of nasty bosses, um, all kinds of stuff. So, um, but the, the, the real kind of bringing me into the work of kind of my, my Mexican heritage was through my Catholic upbringing. And when people think of Catholicism, they don't necessarily think witchcraft. Mm -hmm. um, however, growing up, uh, you know, Catholic, it's, it's a lot of lighting candles and asking for the things that you want. And then when I decided in my teen years that, you know, Catholicism is the enemy and I hate Catholicism and I'm running away from it, I went over to witchcraft, which is supposed to be so different. And what are we doing there? Well, we are lighting candles and asking for things. And I'm like, so this is this is not a very big gap between these two things. Um, so that that was kind of my, my first um, understanding that something was was going on there. And then over time, as we're all kind of moving to kind of reclaim our ancestral magic and, you know, tap into, you know, the roots of where we came from. Um, a, a lot of us, especially those of us who are part of the Latinx community are finding this work sort of in our hands by accident. Like I kind of just looked up one day and realized that my entire altar was just Guadalupe and the saints and a bunch of Novena candles. And I was like, when did this happen? <laughs> and uh, that's something that's kind of happening for a lot of us right now is we're kind of, you know, reclaiming our heritage and reconnecting with our culture. Um, and I think it's a beautiful thing. I think that's wonderful. I, so I, I was kind of looking through the, the things that I knew about the things that were provided about your new book. And the thing you're talking about the parallels between Christianity and Catholicism and kind mm -hmm. of the witchcraft. Um, I saw the prayer. To me, the prayer, like there's no difference to me between 
an incantation that I have to my deity or for mm-hmm. what I want. And when somebody's praying, praying for something they want, I mean, they light a candle and they pray and I light a candle and I basically do the same thing but because I have Christian baggage. Mm-hmm. I call it an incantation, <laughs> right? you know, <laughs> that's to me, the only difference is the wording and who or what deity that you're, that you're working with. So mm-hmm. I totally get that whole parallel thing. And that's something that I think a lot of the people I come in contact with, I guess, in um, the witchcraft and pagan community, like struggle with, mm-hmm. like, no, 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 it's not a prayer, it's an incantation or an incantation. I'm like, eh, it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, absolutely. Yeah. So I understand that. I grew up um, in Baptist church, but my grandparents on one side were Catholic, and it, it just fascinated me I loved going to church to the Catholic church and at the time it was when I was like playing around with witchcraft as a child Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my gosh all the candles and the incense and I was like this is my jam so I really enjoyed going with my grandmother with my great-grandma actually um so I love the imagery I love the pageantry I love because I'm extra I will admit that (laughs) I am extra I love all the extra stuff so well, enough about that. Um, I wanted to know, because I'm completely unfamiliar with Bruharia. So where did it come from? Like, where is this term coming from? Does it come from um, Mexico, Central America? Does it come from one region or is it kind of an umbrella term? It's found all over. Um, so mm-hmm. we have Brujeria basically in every Latin American country, mm-hmm. um, as well as in Spain too, um, which is kind of where the term came from. And a lot of the magic that we're practicing, you know, comes from Spain as well. And so it's kind of that um, kind of magic that was brought over from sort of the Mediterranean area, brought over into Mexico and into Cuba and Puerto Rico and Venezuela and Honduras and all these different places um, where we can all, where we, we find brujeria in basically every, every corner of Latin America, as well as uh, parts of South America as well. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and it's it pulls in from a lot of different areas. Um, you know, it has, of course, that indigenous influence because this isn't, you know, specifically a Spain thing anymore, especially when we get over to Latin America. We have um, this huge indigenous population that already had a, a wide and deep connection with the other side and with spirituality and mysticism. You know, these were very magical spiritual people. Um, that then just kind of blended what they had with the the newcomers to their land. And this also included too, you know, um, people who were brought over from Africa as well. Mm -hmm. There's African influence in it all over. And that's why we also have, of course, varying varying types of brujeria. Mm -hmm. And uh, same thing with like curanderismo, we find that in, in pretty much every Latin American country as well. But what's practiced in Mexico and what's practiced in, you know, Puerto Rico is going to be completely different. You know, of course, there's going to be overlap. We're going to use some of the same things, some of the same books and whatnot. Um, A lot of traditional brujeria um, pulls from uh, the book of St. Cyprian. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of people are, are, familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the type that I do that we call American Brujeria yeah. is a little bit different in the way that um, this always takes a little bit of unpacking. So so mm-hmm. in, in most Latin American countries, and I, I am only speaking for kind of Mexico here because that's my, that's my area, mm-hmm. um, Brujeria is not misunderstood. There, there's this need these days to make everything, you know, very innocent, very safe, very sanitized, and everything's just misunderstood, right? These things are actually good things. Not the case of brujeria. Brujeria, people are afraid for a reason. Um, Very little good comes from it. It's very forceful. It's very dark. Um, And the practice of it, I was actually speaking with somebody this morning who is a practitioner. And let me tell you, there are so many animal parts involved in this situation oh, yeah wow. um so it's, it's 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 a whole different world but then when we go over to what i'm calling american brujeria um i began to realize that there is this huge population of us who are both you know some sort of latinx as well as american where we're either you know puerto rican american mexican american any of these things um and those of us who have kind of tapped back into our ancestral magic and our ancestral practices um, have started to refer to it as brujeria and um, you know all of our work. And what we call brujeria in the United States, it's very different from what we might um, 
use the term brujeria for in Mexico. So in the United States, um, how we kind of built our own brujeria here is with all the bits and pieces that were brought over from those who immigrated to the United States and what they could carry with them. So where in Mexico, there's, there's a very distinct difference between brujeria, which is like, you know, dark witchcraft. And then we have curanderismo, which is um, Mexican folk healing. Um, those are two very, very different things. However, in the United States, we tend to kind of cross both worlds and do a little bit of curanderismo, you know, a little bit of hechiceria, you know, all of these things together in one practice that we're now calling brujeria. Okay. So it, it's a little, it's, it's a little tough to unpack depending on where you are geographically right. located. <laughs> right. I find that fascinating. I like the idea of um, reaching back to your roots, to your, to mm. your heritage and your ancestry. Um, so I gotta ask it because this is what's on social media right now. Everybody's arguing over what is a closed practice. Can <laughs> someone like me, I have, you know, European history and ancestry mm -hmm. for the most part, you know, a Norse, that kind of thing, British, mm -hmm. Irish. So if I wanted to do um, Olympia, is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. If I wanted to do that, could I, without offending your ancestors or, you know, working with, would I be offensive in doing such a thing? No, and, and and I come across this too a lot where like, you know, if 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 someone reads my book, right, and they need to use what's in it, is that okay? And the answer is, is yes. So so say, say you read my book and you learn that you can take off a hex with an egg, you know, and mm -hmm. then one of your friends gets hexed and that's like the only thing in your repertoire to take it off, mm -hmm. I'm gonna want you to use it. I'm not gonna want you to look at your friend and go, well, looks like you're gonna die because uh, this would be cultural appropriation if I did it, right? <laughs> okay. I, I want you to feel okay utilizing it. However, it's it's the um, it's how we utilize it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you took a hex off of somebody once using an egg, and then decided that you are now a bruja and began telling everybody that you're a bruja and that you uh, do brujeria, all this stuff, then it starts to get into kind of some murky territory because that's okay. not necessarily true, especially if the bulk of your work is, you know, Norse or whatever it is yeah. you're just talking about. Um, that, then we need to kind of, eh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the use of it, it's the respect of it, it's the claiming of it yes. um, okay. as well. So like this morning, I, I shared this video on doing um, a cleansing of your home using some limes and some salt, and mm -hmm. a lot of people were very into it, but like people are like, you know, like, oh, like I can't use this because then you know, that's completely damaging the culture. It's like, no, if you're alone in your house and you put some limes and some salt on a plate, no one is going to be harmed. Right. However, if you then tell everybody that you're a bruja and write a book that um, is not actually real brujeria and call it brujeria, then we have a problem, right? Is what happens after that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, okay, that makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of that going around, a lot of misinformation on social media on what you should, shouldn't do for the most part um i my practice is do what you want don't harm anybody like just you yeah. know but also take no shit. um yeah. but i don't claim like i stay away from practices that i have no lineage to um mm -hmm. like if i want to burn something um just because of what's going around and and the respect thing i don't call it smudging i don't do smudging ceremonies i am yeah. a white chick who works with norse gods <laughs> so right. I don't do that. I do smoke clearing. So I feel like yeah. it's very important for us to develop a language about these things that pay respect to the original culture, but also um, allow you to do an alternative thing. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah. Like the, the, the limpy thing, like I saw that video on the house cleansing. I feel I've never seen that. And I thought that was fascinating, <laughs> but I caught myself thinking, well, can I do that without, you know, being disrespectful to somebody else's practice? So it's usually my first thing, my first thought when I see something cool that I want to try. Mm -hmm. I always check myself and go, well, should I be doing that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, my, the, something I kind of go into the book too is that I, if anyone's concerned that they are about to commit cultural appropriation, I ask them to ask themselves three questions. And the first question is, does this make me money? Yeah. Right. Is, is this something that you are packaging and commodifying and selling to other people? Mm -hmm. um, if, it, if the answer is yes, then we're in dangerous territory already. Um, the second question is, does this take up space? 
right? Like, did you did you see a Mexican person do this this limpia, and now you're all over social media and you know teaching it, and then you're you're writing books on it or taking workshops away, you know, things that should have gone to to people of the community. And the third is, you know, does it erase culture? And so again, you know, you putting some limes and some salt on a plate isn't going to hurt anybody. But if you then go online two seconds later and say, um, this is a, a devoutly Mormon practice and it's closed to the LDS church, well, that's completely <laughs> erasing, like right. that's misinformation, first of all. And second of all, that's erasing where it actually came from, right? So we need to just make sure that we're just simply being respectful. And, and I think that really needs to be what we talk about more than, mm -hmm. you know, this is closed and that's closed. And let's be honest, on social media right now, everything is closed, whether it should be or not. And in fact, several um, like marginalized communities have come forth and been like, please stop doing this yeah. because you're actually hurting us more than you're helping us. So it, I think the conversation needs to, of course, just be around respect. Like, are, are, mm -hmm. are we respecting it while we're using it? And I think that's the most important part. I think it's an absolute wonderful guidance that I will be writing down. <laughs> Putting in a sticky note. So when I go down that rabbit hole when I'm researching something, I can go, well, hang on just a second. And I can check myself. And I think that yeah. that's important for everybody to do if you're going to be in the spiritual community, no matter what flavor you practice. I, mm -hmm. I think that's important. Um, I had another question about the brujeria. So is it something, is this practice, like say um, there's a family and the kids are practicing growing up that way. Is it like a lineage thing? And I say this because you, you've been in the spiritual community long enough. You've heard the witches and the, I'm a generational witch. Therefore, this is how I practice. It's not the same as you. Not saying that everybody that's a generational witch is, you know, being that being kind of, um, I hate the word gatekeeping, but yes, being kind of gatekeepy. Is that how is it, it works for you? Like if you had children or someone to pass it on to, could you? And is that like a secret? Like the stuff you teach them, is that something that's sacred and secret to the family? Um, yes and no, in, in, okay. in kind of a way. So um, if, if we're talking about, uh, you know, real traditional brujeria, yeah. Um, that tends to be very much kept within the family. It's very secretive, mm -hmm. which always cracks me up when people start going on about like, like, well, like, like you know, this is a closed practice, so so you can't do it, or or you know, am I allowed to do young brujeria or whatever? Mm -hmm. It's so funny to watch people fight about whether people can or can't do it because my, <laughs> I'm just sitting back going, I dare you to try. Right. Because there is no resources out there about it. There is no information about it. People have, people, especially from outside of the, the Latinx community, have tried to write books on it and have all been terribly off the mark um, and inaccurate in it. So there, there really is no way to learn unless somebody chooses to teach you. So fighting about whether or not people are allowed to do it or not is, is a moot point because no one's going to be using it. Right. Um, period. Um, oh God, remind me of what your question was again. Is it a secret practice? Like oh yes, it's a secret practice. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah. So so within tra traditional brujeria, yes, it's absolutely very very secret and not something you do. In, in what I do, the American brujeria, mm -hmm. um, it is very much also passed down among in the family. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of one of the main pillars of where the power comes from because you know we learned all this stuff from our grandmothers and our mothers and our uncles and mm -hmm. and these people around us who believed and they learned from their family members. Yeah. Um, these these odd you know, little folk magic things that we do came from somewhere. And so that's why I talk about this in the book too. The way that your family does something is going to be way more uh, powerful for you versus the way somebody else's family does. So when it comes to folk magic, people will squabble all over about it. You know, like, you know, if, if we're going to do like a cleansing with an egg, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I heard all kinds of stuff, you know, oh, you only do that on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Or other people were like, no, it's only on, on Wednesdays and Fridays. Mm -hmm. And other people are like, it doesn't matter what day, as long as you, as long as you're using a, an egg from a black hen, oh you know, and nobody can agree on it, mm -hmm. even though the basic mechanics are the same. Right. So the way that your family did it, it's a little bit kind of like, um, like your, your grandma's apple pie, right? There's 150 different ways to make an apple pie. But the way that your grandma made it, 
even if it's not like, you know, the, the best apple pie you've ever had, just the way that she made it is so special. Oh yeah. And like brings back all this other stuff with it. And it's very much the same, the sort of like, you know, this family lineage in it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, And I feel like I, I try to tell that when people are like, asking me about witchcraft and my own practice. That's why I tell them, I know a lot of us aren't generational witches. We don't have our family teaching it, but we are a starting point. And my way of practicing is going to be different than my best friends, even if mm-hmm. we do the same thing. And that's what makes our magic powerful is it's individualized and it hits you on a soul level instead of, yes, you can read a book. You can um, watch YouTube videos, videos until you're like, you know, blind. Um, and it still wouldn't be as powerful as if you come up with some of this stuff to make it your own. Um, I feel that it's like spice, like flavoring, like say your flavor is going to be more powerful to you than your, than your neighbors. Absolutely. Okay. I had another question because the only, uh, like, because of probably pop culture, the only practice that I knew of, like the word would be Santeria. That's the only, like, (laughs) Latina or Latino kind of um, practice that I could think of. So what is the mm-hmm. difference or is it this, or is it the same? Uh, it's, it tends to be very different actually. Okay. Um, so uh, Santeria is, is very, very um, much brought over by African people okay. and then was kind of synchronized into Latino culture in okay. the Caribbean, mostly, you know, places like Cuba and Puerto Rico um, is where we, we find a lot of Santeria. Okay. Um, and it's, it's really funny because um, especially when the topic of saints come up, yeah. it's when people get really confused about what I do versus um, what somebody who does Santeria does. Okay. So if I'm going to light a, a novena candle to a saint and ask them to do something for me, um, I am working with the Catholic saint, right? That, that is the spirit that I am directing this to. Mm-hmm. Santeria, on the other hand, um, is actually... very powerful African spirits that are then disguised as certain saints. So so when I light a candle to uh, Santa Barbara, you know, St. Barbara, Mm -hmm. I am am praying to St. Barbara. Someone from Santeria, you know, doing a candle to St. Barbara, they're talking to Chango, um, who is one of the Orisha. Um, so it's it's a little different in that way and it I really confuse people when I start talking about working with saints because they're like wait but Catholicism can't be anywhere near witchcraft so you're talking about Santeria and I'm like no that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about the actual Catholic saints and they're like they're like what how does that work (laughs) well that makes so much more sense because I had no idea what the difference was I figured there was a difference I just didn't know because you know I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple of the questions w- that I asked the coven, I want to ask you these. We had so much interest in this topic, by the way, like they are hungry for this information. Okay. So one of them asked, um, let's see. So what is your favorite part or what is the most, the thing that you lean on the most in your practice? Like on mm. a daily thing. Um, faith. Yeah. Faith is is a really big part of it. So, um, so when we're talking about this work that I do, the, this American Brujeria, um, which is kind of a a hodgepodge of all the the little broken pieces that immigrants could bring over into the new world with them. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been put into a big pile and is being utilized by you know Mexican American folks or you know other you know Latin American folks mm-hmm. um, here in the United States, and. So it has three main pillars in it. One of them I was just talking about, you know, with the with the family tradition is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course we have the earth, which provides, you know, beautiful things to us, sacred things like corn and the herbs that we use, and you know, the the earth was sacred to our ancestors. And the other one is is faith. This um, and it's something that I I don't find many other places than in folk magic, mm-hmm. where we have such an intensity of belief in God and the saints and, you know, La Virgen de Guadalupe, you know, all, mm-hmm. all these um, higher spirits that we tend to strip away a lot of the ceremony and a lot of the bells and whistles and a lot of the really fancy elaborate things. We tend to do away with that mm-hmm. and just say, look, God, I need help. And there's something so honest about it. And it's so, um, it's so beautifully 
pure. I, I often feel a bit like I'm doing a, a trust fall mm-hmm. with the with the divine because I go to, it happens with me and my spirits all the time where I'll go to do a, a, a spell and it's something that I might not feel secure in pulling off. Mm-hmm. So then my brain starts going, okay, well, we're going to need to take all of these steps and <laughs> we're going to have to add this in and this in and five herbs and two stones and blah, blah, blah. And the 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 spirits are just kind of like bro no like what happens if you use just a candle yep and you pray and you mean it and you have faith that we will come through for you and i'm like are you sure i don't need the other stuff they're like <laughs> we're sure so it's it's a lot about um for me right now it's it's faith that everything will work out and that there is something on the other side that's backing me up. And the more I, the more I kind of do this sort of trust fall thing where I just kind of let it go and be in the hands of spirit, the more powerful and the more um, interesting results come. So now these days, if there's something that I really, really need, Mm -hmm. I light a tea light candle Yep, and I say a prayer. That is beautiful. And I'm, that's the one thing that I try to similarly project my v- beliefs about that. Like, I feel like witchcraft in general, like for us is highly commercialized and it's like, mm-hmm. you need all the shit, you yeah, need all the, need stuff, the stuff in order mm-hmm. to do this thing. And like, when I show how I do things, I use tea lights because they're, you can buy like 50 of them for two bucks at the dollar store. Like right? it's, it's, <laughs> It's all about how you feel inside about what you did, whether I'm working with my pagan deities or just your higher self, because we do have secular witches that just Mm -hmm. practice witchcraft as a secular practice. And they're relying on their own power, their inner self, their higher self. If you believe and have faith in what you're doing and who you are calling on to help you attempt or, you know, attract the thing that you're wanting, then that's what matters, not the... 10 pounds of herbs you pile on top of a jar candle or whatever else you know the that you'll see online that's um Mm. at its core i think that's what spirituality is in general is having faith and having the freedom to give yourself Mm. the freedom to free fall like you were talking about and that's a beautiful gift that you give yourself because that's what yields amazing results for your life (laughs) faith um And often I get the um, accusation that if you're not religious and you're just spiritual, you can't achieve that. But the, I don't, I don't believe that. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, faith is faith. <laughs> yeah. No matter what you're, you know, what flavor that you are practicing, faith is faith and it's mm-hmm. beautiful. Another question that I had was, when did you realize this was something that you're going to be doing as like a purpose like this was something that was going to encompass your life more than just you know Sunday I'm gonna go light a candle and, and go about my day when was that for you very very early yeah um I oh gosh I um I, I I've always known and I've known very specifically too and I don't know why or how but I always knew that the word was witch and that that is what I was I always felt very, very different from the other people that were around me. Um, I, before I could read, I would carry around, because of course I was raised Catholic, and I, I would carry around one of our family Bibles. And you know, Bibles are always these big, heavy, kind of leather bound tomes. <laughs> and so I would carry it around and I would tell people it was my spell book. Uh, and then flash forward, um, it is <laughs> my spell book. Um, and I remember once too, I was really young. It it was before I was reading or writing because Mm -hmm. I remember I had to ask someone to help me. Um, it was during the summer and all of my friends were putting up signs to mow lawns and, you know, pick up trash or, you know, doing lemonade stands to like make some money. And I'm like, I need a job this summer. I'm like five. Um, (laughs) So I asked my father um, to help me uh, make flyers just for my services as an exorcist. Um, and that was the, the, the word too that I was using at that oh, time. 
and then we flash forward that's again what I'm doing and then in fifth and then in fifth grade too we had to do a project on what we wanted to do like for a job like you know what did we want to be when we grew up right I did mine on how I was going to be a witch that was casting spells for people and breaking hexes and stuff and my teacher made me redo it because she felt I wasn't taking it seriously oh no and well joke is on her yeah (laughs) so this has been a calling for me from the very very beginning this is something that I've always known would happen um I have tried to avoid it I have tried to fight it I have tried to be super duper normal um turns out that's just not in the cards for me no no I think that that's common that I hear from a lot of people that are doing this kind of work that whether it's being an author or a teacher or whatever in the spiritual community is you can at some point you're like I just want to be normal right and and that never works out (laughs) no spirit doesn't have it in the cards for you to be normal um i think that people like you and other authors that are speaking out and teaching this kind of information are special to humanity and this is like very important work and normal would just not just not be enough <laughs> <laughs> definitely not sometimes you just gotta get weird with it yes yes <laughs> it's a, my uh, daughter always tells me that i fly my freak flag high higher than most people so so that's kind of her way of saying mom you're weird but it's cool (laughs) (laughs) um let me get back to the questions so okay so here's a good one that i i love this okay so what other practices do you practice any other things with your brujeria um like um like i'm a pagan but there are times that I do work with angels and things like that. I cross over. Um, do Can you do that in your practice? Uh, yes. Um, okay. So mostly I practice kind of North American folk magic. I, I sort of just sort of specialize in, you know, the American Southwest territories where mm-hmm. a lot of the work I'm talking about comes from. Um, but I am fascinated by all forms of folk magic. Um, Italian folk magic, I'm not necessarily Italian myself, but it is so extremely similar to what I practice um, that I, I absolutely adore it. I, I read on it and it's really helpful too mm-hmm. for filling in some of the gaps, um, things like that. I And again, that, that's kind of like where the, where the cultural appropriation comes in, right? So yeah. like, I can get a book on Italian magic and and work with it. I if I go outside though and start telling people I'm a strega or or yeah. however we, we say that, right. um, then then it becomes a problem, right? You're like that is that is not my practice, mm-hmm. but it is something that's very very helpful. Um, I also have a deep love of Pennsylvania Dutch folk magic. Um, mm-hmm. It is it is just so beautiful and I love their philosophy on a lot of things and their healing practice uh, practice mm-hmm. and just kind of how they go about things. I, I think it's really, really neat. Um, and I, I, I want a house specifically so that I can have a really beautiful hex sign on the front of it. Yes. That's the one thing around. So I live in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska, but there are some really old barns with those, hex symbols and I'm like every time I drive by one I'm like Brad this is my husband I'm like hey 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 look at that I wonder if they even know the current owner even knows what that is so that Mm -hmm. that just always fascinates me to see that stuff or I giggle when the church ladies over here have a quilt Mm -hmm. you know the quilt contest and selling and it's those kinds of divine designs so right (laughs) like if you only knew yeah I'm like oh my gosh I have a book you should read Have you heard, so I got a new book um, and it's on Appalachian folk magic and mm-hmm. I haven't really dove into that stuff, but have you heard of, have you heard of that or read anything about it that you use? Um, you know, I don't tend to work with that so much. It tends to be um, a little bit of a mystery to me. I did buy, uh, were you reading Jake Richards book? Mm-hmm. The, yeah, I, that, that's, that's the one that, that, that most of us have. I, I do own it. Um, and it is a, a good book. Um, that, that particular style of magic, I haven't connected 
uh, too deeply with. That that right. seems very far removed kind of from what I do, even though there's, of course, a lot of overlap oh, yeah. in what we all do. Yeah. Um, that that seems to be um, kind kind of a, a mystery area for me. So maybe, maybe at some point I, I will dive into that a little bit more. The same for me. I haven't connected to it yet, but I find it interesting. I'm and an, I call myself I'm an information whore. Like I can't <laughs> help it. Um, I have to know the things just so I can point somebody to the right book or the right thing because mm -hmm. I get a lot of questions and I know I, I only know what I know you know <laughs> right. I need well, to, and it's, to have good resources for other people yeah it's so important to have that education too something yeah. oh god help me I recently joined TikTok well, um, and <laughs> the I, I posted one thing on like, hi, like here are some great books on, you know, Mexican folk magic. Yeah. And all the comments were like, and no one is allowed to buy them or read them. And I'm yeah. like, why? Yeah. They're like, because other people from other cultures should not learn about ours. And I'm like, okay, that's not social justice, that's nationalism. And that gets very, very sketch very quickly. Um, so this idea that we can't educate ourselves about other cultures, other practices is very scary to me. I think it's very important that we do educate ourselves because I mean, and it's, and it's even been proven that when we do that, we're less likely to be racist towards the people that we actually understand. Yes. So if the idea is to battle racism, then we should be trying to get people to read about our cultures and our beliefs and our practices so that they understand them. Yeah, I just got a, a book on Marie Laveau, and it's not like I'm going to go practice that, but I just want to know about it. I want to know her history. I want to know the history of her beliefs and where it came from, and because it's part of American culture. Like, it's part of yeah. you know, America's general, so I want to know. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go practice it or charge for spell work using that practice. Absolutely. That wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. I had to, I yeah, TikTok in me, I have a love-hate. I love it because I love little animal videos. And I'm addicted <laughs> to those, but I hate yes. witch talk. It's the most toxic thing. I think it's awful. I constantly am getting um, in my Facebook groups and in my coven, I'm constantly getting questions. Hey, I saw on TikTok that I yeah. shouldn't be doing this. Oh my gosh. I, some One girl texted me like upset. Like she's like, I am crying because I thought I did something terrible and she was doing tarot readings. And they told her tarot is closed and she just was felt so terrible that she like offended an entire culture i'm like oh honey so no. yeah tiktok has good and bad um if mm. we could just get rid of that part of it um yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's that's one of the big kind of discussions we've been having because so what's been happening is um, there's a lot of closed groups on social media, whether they're closed Facebook groups or they're private discords or things like that, where people all group up and, and get themselves into kind of like a social justice tizzy and decide that the only way to fix this is to cancel everything. Yeah. And on top of that, TikTok people too have found out that if they go on and they make a very dramatic video that's like, hey, you guys, this thing is closed. We really need to talk about it. Then they get an absurd number of hits. Suddenly that, that goes viral because people are commenting, people are liking, people are doing all this stuff. And so it gets them a whole lot of clout. The unfortunate part though, is all of that is a great, wonderful way to avoid doing the actual anti-racist work that's been asked of us. Yes. And it ends up hurting these cultures because mm -hmm. I, I've talked with, with Jewish people lately who have been like, I can't talk about Judaism online because allies attack me because they don't believe I'm Jewish. I can't prove it to them enough that I'm Jewish um, or something else, you know, with the, with the terror reading too, Romani people have come forth and been like, um, number one, not only is this not true, but this is actually a really harmful racist stereotype hey. that we're all, you know, tarot card reading fortune tellers, like, and yeah. I think that's something that really needs to be addressed. Like we need to remember it's about respect. It's not necessarily about proving that you have the genetics to do something. Absolutely. I love that. Mm -hmm. There's there's a lot, and that's why I would like new TikTok users. Like, and I I hate, I loathe the term baby witch. <laughs> like that, like things trigger me, but that one, like nobody calls you a baby Christian or a baby Buddhist or a baby. <laughs> like that's not no. You're you're a witch, claim it. You just are less educated right now right. you know that's it though i will uh, say that baby buddhist does sound adorable it does sound like... <laughs> and i may have a little statue of a baby buddha so uh, you know yeah. but that kind of stuff like that will that will 
I think that for one, take away the baby witch thing, because one, I've seen people lean on it as an excuse to do things that they're not, they know better. They know better Mm -hmm. than to do it, but they do it anyway because they're a baby witch. Like that needs to be Mm -hmm. taken away because I think that uh, lessens accountability within the community. Mm. Um, I, I think that just because you're new doesn't mean that you should be okay with being disrespectful. Yep. Or racist Absolutely. or exclusionary. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of thing needs to stop. Um, let me go back to the things. Okay. So if somebody somebody, geez, my speech. So if someone was to buy or was to buy like an oil or something from a shop like yours online. And so I honor, you know, pagan gods. And I got a oil from you. How does that work within the, the inter-practice uh, type communication, I guess? How does that work or does it? Um, it totally works. Okay. Um, so, you know, and I think the only time that you would have a tr- problem would be like if you bought an oil that was specifically dedicated to a certain saint and then tried to use it with Freya or something. Right. I mean, clearly that would be an issue, but like, you know, if you bought a you know, bring love oil Mm -hmm. from me and then used it on a pink candle to Freya or something like that, that would be be totally fine. Okay. Yeah. And I had a question. So I was watching your YouTube videos. So for those of you out there, he does have YouTube videos that you can look at. (laughs) I was watching the one about the double action candles, the ones are the reversal Mm -hmm. ones. So you had, it comes with the wick standing up on one end and you end up flipping it over. So this is something that I don't do in my practice, but I found it interesting. So if I didn't flip it over, that would be a cursing candle. Um, What does that mean? Because it 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 just wouldn't, it just wouldn't work in the, in the same way. So, so for those of you who are listening, what we're talking about is, um, is a double action candle, which you will find normally as like a stick candle where it will be, um, half black on the bottom and then half a different color like white green or red are the most common ones and what we do with those is we use those to reverse some sort of magic that's been put on us and in order to do that we have to do something called budding the candle which is where you cut off the the tip of the candle kind of where it comes to a point and has the wick you cut that off so that it's flat and you turn the whole candle over. So the black half that was on the bottom is now on the top. And then you carve that um, until you expose the wick and then you burn the candle like that. So you're technically burning it kind of upside down, even if the wick is on top. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason why we do that, number one, the, the flipping action is really important because that's 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 the whole part of, of what we want to do is we want to turn something around. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's some sort of a hex that was on us. Right. Um, and burning the black part first is really important because that's the part that takes off what was on us. Mm-hmm. And then the color part is there to restore what was taken. So so say I have a um, a financial like my, my, my money has been crossed up real bad and mm-hmm. I need to reverse that. So I would get a, a double action candle that is black on the bottom and green on top. Mm-hmm. And then I would cut off the top, flip it over so the black is on top and the green is on bottom. Okay. So that when I burn it, the black burns first, getting rid of the curse on my money. Mm-hmm. And then the green burns second, which is helping to bring in more prosperity, you know, what, you know, to replace what was taken. And if we do that the other way around, and if we burn it right side up, number one, we're not reversing anything. Mm-mm. We're just bringing in more money <laughs> and then asking that that curse be taken off, which if you bring in the money when the curse is still there, it's a little like, you know, when you're trying to brush your teeth, but you're also eating Oreos at the same time, <laughs> it's just not going to be a good day for you. We got to do one thing at a time, right? We got to, we got to take off the curse. Once that's been taken care of, then we can focus on our money. Okay. That's what I thought, but I wanted you to clear it up because I know that I've had questions about those kinds of spells and I do those differently in my practice. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never done it that way. So I felt, I, I found that interesting and like the action of turning it over is, you know, one of the mo- main important things in, in that mm-hmm. particular candle spell. So I thought that was neat mm-hmm. to see because I've seen those a lot sold and I haven't, I haven't actually used one yet. So 
Yes. Maybe I'll and have it's, to. <laughs> it's really exciting when you get to tell people that you burn your candles upside down. It sounds really witchy and people are like, what? How does that even work? <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. So what else was, okay. So if I wanted to include some of the things you talk about in your book mm-hmm. and I am, um, I am not a Christian, you know, how does that work? Do I, so if, if I do one of your spells, it's going to probably have a saint, the actual, like you're saying, the actual saint in it. If I want to do that and I am not Christian, but I understand that I'm working with that particular saint, is that okay? Um, yes, to a certain extent. Okay. Um, you, you have to believe yes. that they're real and mm-hmm. you have to believe that they can help you. Yes. And you have to... Um, at least be in alignment with what they stand for. Um, A lot of the times I'll get people for some reason who will come to me a lot, they'll be like, I wanna practice what you practice, but um, I hate God. I don't believe in any of that Christianity stuff and I don't want any part of it. And I'm like, and why are you here? That's like, that's like signing up to be on the swim team and then refusing to get into the pool. Okay. Like there's, (laughs) there's, yeah. Right. And, and I don't, I don't mean to tell anybody that they have to identify as Christian or support the Christian church or go to church on Sunday, any of that stuff, but they do have to believe. Yeah. And if you believe, then you're probably a little closer to it than you might want to think you are, (laughs) but but that's a, that's a take for another time. Right. Right. And my take on other practices besides my own is I do not deny anybody's else's God's existence. That would be very small-minded of me and actually pretty pompous for me to say there's no Christian God, there's no saints, there's no angels. That would be exactly what, you know, some of, you know, my relatives would say about my practice and that would be hypocritical of me. So I I do not ever deny anybody else's God's existence. I feel that that's a very important thing to have. I may not um, honor or follow that particular flavor of spirituality, but I don't deny it either. And I think that's important for people that are going to be in the spotlight. Like I didn't intend for the podcast to be a spotlight thing, but it is. And I always am making sure because I get a lot of questions and a lot of comments about Christianity hate, and we cannot hate on Christianity because that was, that's hypocritical of us. Right. Um, and I try to make sure that they understand, like you might, you, they don't have to, nobody else has to do the same thing I do, but I try to, mm. to be an example of tolerance <laughs> Yes. for other flavors. Absolutely. And two, I, I think what, what it really comes down to and something that I try to explain to people is separating Christianity from the church and Christian people. Yep. Those are two very different things. People are like, oh, well, the Pope did this thing. It's like, yeah, the Pope is awful. I do not support any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. However, I do believe that these spirits exist and that if I say these prayers, things happen and, you know, that there is meaning to these things. So being able to separate kind of the, the things that have, the awful things that have been done in God's name versus things that have been done by God. Yes. And so, um, I always tell people, especially if they're really struggling with kind of healing and integrating their Christian upbringing, Mm -hmm. I cannot recommend the work of Nadia Bowles Weber enough. Um, She is a Lutheran pastor. She's like six feet tall, covered in tattoos. She's a recovering addict, um, swears like a sailor. Um, (laughs) She runs this, well, she used to run um, House for All Sinners and Saints in Colorado. And their congregation was just like green haired people with mohawks and queer people and like, you know, uh, you know, addicts. And, but also in there was, you know, lovely little old Christian ladies who are your kind of stereotypical run run of the mill, Mm -hmm. all kind of blended together. And her, um, she has an interview on the Rich Roll podcast, mm-hmm. which is was so healing for me and my Catholic upbringing, um, as well as her first book, Pastrix, um, which is kind of a, a derogatory name for a female pastor. She's a Pastrix. Oh, um, <laughs> and it's just her work and kind of talking about her damaging upbringing yeah. Um, from the church versus what what she's found God to actually be like. Mm-hmm. She has a chapter in it that she calls God's aunt. And it's about um, her time with paganism 
and getting to know the the goddess and how healing that was for her. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna have to check her stuff out. I want to say I've seen her like, does she have, is she the one that has, that wears like the traditional plaster? Mm-hmm. Okay, I've seen her with yeah. all of the tattoos um, and some videos and things on social media. So I'll definitely have mm-hmm. to check out her, her book. I think that's perfect. Yeah. I think that has, the, I mean, it's not the same, but there's a parallel in the magical community with um, Wicca and the D-bag gardener. Like he, yeah. just because he was a douche doesn't mean that, you know, you can throw away or cancel Wicca. Like yeah. That's not fair. So I, I try to, to, to point that out when I get those kind of things that you can't cancel Christianity because of some bad people, because we're human and we're going to have, you know, not so savory people in any faith. <laughs> so yeah. um, same with, same with Wicca, like you can't cancel it. You don't have to follow it, but don't cancel it because of Gerald Gardner, you know? Absolutely. So, cool. Let me see if I have any, cause you've hit on most of the questions they already had anyway. <laughs> Um, I think that's, oh, oh, so let's talk about, go circle back around to the book. Mm-hmm. First of all, when did you know you were going to write it? Uh, ooh, um, a little over a year ago, I actually, um, so I was trying to meet with my editor and I had sent her an absolutely different book ooh. and I realized that I, 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 I was struggling with that book because of the framing of it. It was it was something I was like, oop, you know, Mayday, that was a mistake. Uh-huh. Um, and then I was like, God, like, what am I going to bring to her? What am I going to bring to her? And one of my friends was like, why don't you write a book on brujeria? And I'm like, I don't do brujeria, like like traditional Mexico brujeria. Like, I don't know that. I'd have to fly to Mexico, live with some 500-year-old lady for like 15 years before I knew anything about brujeria. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but then as... I'm thinking about like, what am I going to write? What am I going to write? I'm looking around and I'm realizing I have these statues of Guadalupe. I have all of these saints candles. I have all this stuff. And I'm like, wait, I'm like, so even if it's not like traditional brujeria, you know, Mexican American people living in the United States, we're kind of an island unto ourselves where we're somewhere between like the old ways and the new ways. And we all kind of have this very similar way of working, which is, you know, by combining all these pieces of Mexican magic into one practice. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, someone needs to write a book for us, the people who are in between, the people who are both Mexican and American, because we feel very isolated as people who are two things at once, because, you know, the the, the Mexicans look at us and they're like, oh, you're not a real Mexican. And so we go over to the white Americans and then they call you racial slurs. And then you're like, well, okay, so apparently I don't belong anywhere except for in the middle. Right. And in and in these spaces where we are kind of isolated, we tend to develop our own methods of accomplishing things. And one of those things is folk magic. Um, so I started to realize, I'm like, oh, this is actually a thing. This is a thing that we're doing. It's not just me, it's all these people around me. Um, my story is not unique. This is something a lot of people kind of go with. Mm-hmm. And so in the book, I liken uh, us, you know, Mexican-American people to a liminal space, like a crossroads, because we are both Mexican and we are American. We are both and we are neither at the same time, which makes us um, very uniquely magical. You know, magic has always taken place on the fringes, you know, not, you know, in one particular society or the other. It's always happened kind of on the outskirts. And we are kind of a fringe group that's happening here. So drawing attention to the fact that number one, we are valid people who do exist. and also affirming that we are also very powerful people who are a bridge between two different worlds. And that means something. Yes, absolutely. I, I absolutely love that. I think that this book is going to do a lot of good for a lot of people. And I urge like people like me who are pagan and super pasty white. I mean, you, I'd like <laughs> glow. Um, I cannot wait to read this book so that I know what it is about, how I can um, integrate it into 
you know, the things I do in a respectful way, if I choose mm-hmm. to do it so, to do so. And like you said, it's educating everybody so that we can be more respectfully to, with each other. And like you said, fight racism on a real level um, and education, real education, <laughs> valid education is how that happens on all levels, you know, for, for everybody. So I am so excited to get this. So where can they buy this again? Yes. So, um, Currently, I'm not sure when this episode is coming out, but currently it is available for pre-order um, on Amazon and bookshop.org. Um, those are two great options for purchasing. Uh, the book comes out May 1st. Um, and so if you're listening to this after that date, you could probably go and get it from your local witchy bookstore, um, which is great. And the book is called American Brujeria. Perfect. Where can they uh, find you on your socials? Ah, yes. So I am, um, I, I'm, I've been saying this on podcasts for years. I'm working on a website. It is still coming. Um, but right now you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at Oregon Woodwitch with little underscores in between the words. You can find me there. Stay up to date with what's happening with, uh, you know, the book, what I'm doing. You can book services with me there. Um, I offer everything from spell service where I'll cast a spell for you. I'll do tarot readings for you. Um, I offer magical coaching, which is like, you know what, if you need to learn something or, or you're trying to work on a new skill, I will sit down with you and give you advice and walk you through it and teach you things. Um, so these are all things that I offer. You can also find my, uh, my Patheos column there as well as my little Etsy store. I love that. I think that I was, I was diving into your, to your Patheos articles and that like sent me down a rabbit hole that I'm still not out of yet. I'm still reading them. (laughs) So I found them very, very interesting. I love things that, you know, I don't do because like I said before, I'm an information whore and I need that stuff. I don't know why I just need it. Yeah, I gotta know. That's important. And I, I love that curiosity and that hunger for information. Yes. Well, thank you so much for talking uh, on the podcast. I know that I have I have a handful in the coven that are going to flip out when they find out that you you were on the podcast. I cannot wait to see their faces um, when I announce it. So thank you so very much. I know that you've literally made some of these witches days like they're 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 going to freak so you're kind of a celebrity i want (laughs) you're big um so thank you so very much i appreciate you coming on and if you like we should plan something for when the book does come out again um and do some kind of some kind of thing i think that'd be cool yeah absolutely i i'm also offering too for anyone who is doing like a book club reading with the book um, that I will meet all y'all on Zoom or I'll Skype in or something and discuss the book with y'all for a little while. So if that's something that any of your coven members do, um, yeah. Yes, we've been discussing setting up a book group for us. So this may be like our our maiden launch when we get to do something with that. That would be great. I would love that. Thank you so very much. You're welcome.